Hi, I'm Larry, and this is Larry's Sort of Fun Stories. Most of what you'll hear or read about actually happened somewhere in my life. You'll hear about my experiences over these many years, and I'll share with you some of the strengths I received through the lessons learned. You'll discover that I've made mistakes along the way, but I'm trying one day at a time to live a better life. And my hope is through sharing these stories, you'll feel included on the journey. And maybe you'll hear something that will help you too. Don't forget, Larry's Sword of Fun Stories is brought to you by Collage Travel Radio. Streaming on the internet 24-7 with pop music of the 60s and 70s right up to today. Music you can sing along with and Collage Travel Radio has great insights to travel all day and all night. That's collagetravelradio.com. As mentioned before, I am having a weight problem. That's W-E-I-G-H-T problem. Yeah, I'm overweight. I sound good, but I'm not quite looking that good. And you know, Diane M. Samard from the Unlikely Gifts podcast suggested that I share this with you and see if we can work something out together. So let me know at com and drop me a line. I would appreciate it. Well, as I mentioned, I'll be sharing with you some of the things that's happened in my life. And one of the things in my life is having friends. And I discovered a friend on the internet just the other day through his Facebook posts. And I thought it would be interesting to chat with him and find out what's happening in Jim's life. So here's Jim. Well, Jim, I've always had trouble with your last name. Can you spell it for me? H A N E M. Double A Y E R. Now, is that a where? Where is that from? Is that some nationality? Uh, That's a uh, from the Netherlands. From the Netherlands. Wow, yes. I I never knew that, and I could never get your name correct. And we'll we can point that out in just a few minutes because we have known each other for forty three years. Wow. Now I I had to figure that out, but forty three. I didn't know years. you were that old. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm staying young, that's for sure. Good. And um, so let me let me just hit this. Um. I did middays on New Life 95. I was just out of college, and Larry King gave me my first job, and Scott Campbell was there to help develop my radio career. I enjoyed the fact that we were communicating the gospel every day in a very new and very exciting way. See, we there we were 43 years ago in Lincoln, yes. Nebraska. And, and I'm, I'm still a diehard Cornhusker fan, even though they fired Scott Frost today. Oh, oh my goodness, yes. I That was shocking. That was yes, shocking. I, I didn't expect it to happen until uh, October. As one of the commentators was saying in the game before, they know how to lose. (laughs) (laughs) They can't win, but they know how to lose. Yes, which is sad because they have such a great history. Oh, yeah. And I didn't grow up in Nebraska, but I became a Cornhusker while I was there for 14 years. Yeah, same here. You know, where did you come from? Where where were you before you came to Lincoln? How did I get a hold of you? Uh, from uh, well, I had just graduated from John Brown University in Arkansas. I was born in Virginia and lived up where uh, West Virginia, Virginia, and Kentucky all meet together. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> and uh, I had I had worked at little local radio stations actually since seventh grade. Wow! 
and um, went to John Brown, got a degree in broadcasting, and uh, you gave me a great opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, and you were not, we had Tom Smith who was there. He was from John Brown as well. Is, yeah. is that how you heard about us? I mean, I don't know how we connected, so it, I guess it doesn't really matter. But uh, I honestly can't remember. It's too far back for me to remember. It was only 43 years ago. Yeah, and, but for and, me, that's a lifetime. <laughs> it sure is. Speaking about a lifetime, I have, I have kind of followed you through your life. You left, the, I left KBHL in Lincoln, and uh, you have somehow ended up in Ukraine. Now, can you tell me how you ended up in in Ukraine. I'll try to make a long story short. I had been in Russia for a number of years uh, as a correspondent. With whom? How? Uh, first with NBC and then a short time with CBS. Were you doing radio or television? Radio. Radio. Okay. But I was I was coordinating a lot of both. I just wasn't on. I have a face for radio, not for television. <laughs> okay. I can understand that. So, <laughs> so what was your impression in living in Russia? I mean, you were living there, right? I loved it for a long time uh, until 2016. A certain airline, uh, Malaysia airline, had been uh, shot down over Ukraine mm. and killed over 200 and some passengers. Everyone on board was, was killed. And I happened to be listening to a local feed of a Russian news network, which I had credentials with, so I could use their stuff. The day before they had shot down a helicopter, a Ukrainian helicopter, is, the war was going on in the Donbass uh, since 2014. And the day before that, they'd shot down some sort of a military fighter jet. And so this was the Russians. There was a reporter embedded with, he was with Life News. He was embedded with this group of uh, Russian soldiers. And they claimed they weren't Russians, but they really were. Mm. They were the regular Russian army. And so with a Buk system, B-U-K, they shot down this Malaysian airliner, thinking it was a cargo jet for the Ukrainian military. Mm. And I heard, I heard them go, yeah, yeah, we're going to go over and we're going to check it out. We just shot it down. And about 35, 40 minutes later, I hear, oh, crap. And it wasn't crap that they <laughs> used. Um, there's children on the ground here. Oh. And they realized that they had shot down a passenger plane. And then, of course, Russia immediately went into denial. They scrubbed everything off that website. Uh, sent out orders to all of us who had access to it that we no longer had permission to use it. Uh, and, of course, they were in full denial. That was not us. We did not do anything. Mm. A couple years later in 2016, I knew that the, uh, the Dutch, because that Malaysian airliner was full of Dutch citizens, headed to Amsterdam. Where they were doing an investigation. So I kind of slyly told my friends and family that I was going to Rotterdam to see if I could locate my grandfather's old home. Ah, with a Dutch background, of course. Yes, and so I uh, landed in Amsterdam and uh, I visited with representatives from that commission. I knew I was being followed, so I went to Rotterdam. I already knew that in World War II, the old family home had been destroyed, but I pretended to look for it. Mm. Went back to Amsterdam and was ready to board a plane and saw another journalist friend of mine. And uh, he was from a newspaper in the UK. And turns out he had been doing the very same thing I had. 
Mm. So we're standing in queue to get on this uh, flight, Aeroflot. And that's a Russian airline, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Still has the hammer and sickle as their uh, emblem. And we saw two guys with these double uh, headed eagles, which is that's a Russian symbol, walking slowly through the line, checking people. And he and I looked at each other and said, they're really for us. And sure enough, pulled us out of the line. Uh, took him one direction, took me another direction. And this is in Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. I was going to say, you're in Amsterdam. You're not in right. Russia. Right. And basically what they did is they uh, told us that uh, our visas had somehow had a problem and we were not allowed to enter the country until it was all taken care of. He hopped aboard a plane and went back to London. I waited for a couple of days and was finally granted re-entry. And when I was re-entering uh, Russia at two in the morning at uh, Shady Mefa Airport, which is one of three major airports in the Moscow region, I was met with uh, guys from what they call Oman, which is the interior ministry. That's their military arm. These guys were in plain clothes, but they had the military build yeah, I could see weapons underneath their shirts. Just, just a moment. Have you got a kitty cat there? Yeah, I need to. She's, <laughs> she's upset that she's not being interviewed. Sorry about oh. that. <laughs> I don't believe I've ever had a a cat on my podcast before. So that's well, a first. See, it's a first. Yeah. Basically, they rode, took me in their car, and I said, "Am I being detained? No." Am I being arrested? No, we just want to have a chat. And so for four hours, they drove me around in the wee hours of the morning and they stopped at, uh, for example, Christ Cathedral, which is the national cathedral and said, would you like to go inside and take photos? And I said, it's closed. It's not closed for you. Mm. And uh, I said, no, I've actually been inside. I've had permission. I've taken lots of photos. Were they trying to do something physically to you? I don't, I have no idea what they were trying to do. So then they took me to two other museums, uh, both uh, very famous museums, and the same offer was made. Would you like to go in and would you like to uh, take photos? And no, it's closed. Oh, for you, it's open. And there was another car. There were two guys in the car with me and there was another car following us. And I kept insisting, I want to go to Belaruska train station because I knew then I could get home, mm. almost almost home, because we lived in Southern Moscow. I kept insisting, if you're not going to charge me with anything, I want to go to the train. Well, it's not open yet. Well, it will be here very soon. So finally, after several hours, they dropped me off at the train station, which is also a metro underground metro station. It, it doubles us both. At the end, they delivered a fairly stern warning that I really should leave politics alone uh, and should concentrate anything that I wrote on um, history, culture, language, music, uh, anything but politics. So I turned on my phone and realized that I had still had a uh, Dutch SIM card in it. So I pulled it out and put my Russian SIM card back in and there was a flood of messages. Where are you? What are you doing? Mm. And I answered one of those who was a journalist friend of mine to my surprise, he was live at five, some six, almost six in the morning. He answered and said, where are you at? I said, where I was located. He says, I'll be right there. Don't get in a car with anybody else. Mm. So 15 minutes later, he came in. 
grabbed my bags, grabbed me, and drove me to my home in southern Moscow. And the reason I didn't want to let the 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 Oman guys go with me was that would be very intimidating. They already knew my address. They knew where I lived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was not a surprise to them, and they kept saying, "Well, we'll just we'll drop you off at your home. Why the train station?" And so, uh, to make a long story short, I just didn't want that intimidation. Didn't want my family to see that. The next year, 2017, I was in northern Moscow. I'd gotten off a metro train, and I was walking to meet a contact who uh, met me um, usually about once a month. And he was part of the um, democracy movement, so we had to kind of be careful, and I would get the latest updates from him. And we would meet in this park that was surrounded by hills, and it was a man-made lake. So it was kind of like a bowl. You had to kind of walk down toward the water. And one of the reasons we did that was because it was had really good shielding against parabolic microphones. And so mm-hmm. someone with a, a mic off at a distance was going to have a hard time with all the echo going back and forth there. <laughs> so uh, as I was on my way, some guy bumped into me on purpose. I was just walking along the street. And he said, you need to leave Russia as fast as possible. And he kept walking. Hmm. He said, you're in danger. He had an American sounding voice. I still to this day have no idea who he was. Wow. And you didn't Um, meet your contact or did you? I, I did. I met the contact and his wife stood up at the top of one of the hills and she started to give a signal that you guys need to break this up. Hmm. So he went one direction. I didn't go back where I came from. I figured that was probably not smart. So I headed up another hill and was fortunate there was a bus coming. I got on that bus, went to a different metro station. We had to move fairly quickly. And uh, I said, you know, I need to go back to Rotterdam. And so a week later, uh, I took all the bags I could and uh, left for, landed in Amsterdam and took a train over to Rotterdam. Later took a train down to Ukraine. So that's the answer to how did you get to Ukraine? <laughs> yes, that's the answer. Your wife is from Ukraine. Yes. Wow. Now, do you have a family there? I don't know well, what your we, family situation is. Well, she and um, my 23-year-old uh, stepson, who I regard as my son, uh-huh. live there. Um, her parents live there, grandmother, some cousins, etc. And where were you in Ukraine? She's in this southern area right now, and I'd rather not expose too much about where she is. Understand. Understand. Totally understand. Now, the thing is, you had to come to the United States for a surgery. Is that correct? Well, potential surgery. And now now they're saying I may not need it because I'm swimming every day and doing back exercises, and I've been going through a number of treatments. And so you came to the United States, and then all of a sudden, a war broke out. War broke out. And you guys are now separated. Yes. So we're working through the immigration process. The first stage has been approved. Now, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but I sarcastically texted you the other day and said, why don't you take her to Mexico and just let her walk across? And you said (laughs) you had already contemplated that. Someone told me this yesterday as well, said, why don't they do that? So what was your answer? I mean, this was very, very smart. Some months ago, ICE, the Border Patrol people, were letting some Ukrainians through, but they were not letting everyone through, and no one kind of knew why. 
And then they kind of shut it down and said, you're going to have to get in line with everybody else. So then she would be stuck waiting there. If she tried to walk across the desert, for example, being a fairly attractive woman, I'd never see her again. She'd be picked up and sold into some sort of a trafficking situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. How, how long has this been going on now? A little over a year now that That's, we've been separated. Wow. And you're able to come, you, you guys are able to communicate via phone, fax, what, what fax? Um, well, there's always phone, but that's kind of expensive, although I do have Vonage, which helps. But we use a, an app called Viber, V-I-B-E-R. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's much like Zoom or uh, what's one of those other ones? What's that's up? What's up? WhatsApp is a Russian uh, invented uh, program. Viber is uh, was invented in Belarus. So I used a Russian prop product. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's, you do. Do I need to take it off of my computer? I guess it's already on. So am I? TikTok's probably more dangerous. The Chinese <laughs> are the ones really collecting all your data. Yeah. Well, they they better hurry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Where are you going to go from here? You you personally do a lot of writing. You write so well. I am so Thank you. I am so uh, um, embarrassed that you are so good, and I am so sloppy. You know, you do fine. Um, I write. I do a lot of voiceovers. That's my main uh, thing these days. I retired, quote unquote, retired a couple well about a year and a half ago. Ah, from the news business. Yeah. I've been doing voiceovers on the side for a long time and uh, documentaries and e-learning projects and corporate narrations and et cetera. In fact, you can call a number of <laughs> companies these days and hear my voice going saying, welcome. Oh, wow. Thank you for calling. Oh, wow. Well, between KBHL and Ukraine, how did you, what were you doing? You had quite a career in there, didn't you? I ended up in management and- uh, Oh, no. I, yeah, I enjoyed that, but I'm not sure everyone else did, but did, did okay at that. At one point, I uh, owned pieces of a couple of different radio stations mm. and then uh, got an opportunity. Uh, one of the guys I was working with NBC at the time, and uh, I had turned down an opportunity to go to Russia because at that point, um, kids were, were young. Mm -hmm. And he came to me a second time and said, this is your last opportunity and uh, your kids are graduating from school now. So are you going to do this or not? I did. When did you go to Russia? I'm going to tell you a funny story. Well, that's why it's Larry's sort of fun story. So please go right ahead. (laughs) My first experience with the Soviet Union was in the late 1990s. And there were a group of seven of us who were going to Ukraine to cover a trial. And we got on the airplane in Los Angeles. As we were flying into Borispil Airport in Ukraine, the stewardesses came through and they lowered all the window shades and they came to us specifically and took all the writing materials, because back then you wrote stuff down, Mm -hmm. and took everything, made sure we had no cameras with us or anything, and explained that this was a military airport that just happened to have a runway for civilian traffic. It was, it's the main airport in Kiev, <laughs> But back then it was mainly a military airport. So we get, didn't get to see anything from about 30 minutes out. It was just like looking at the window shades. And then when we landed, we had to wait till everyone else got off the plane. They were mainly diplomats and business people. 
And then they had a special van that pulled up and its window shades were pulled. So we got on this van and they took us to the terminal and which has been expanded quite a bit. Although the Russians in February, you know, bombed the snot out of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we went into the airport and that was the first time we got to see where we were at. So you flew all the way to Ukraine, windows down. Is that right? For the last 30 minutes. Last 30 minutes. Shades, yeah. shades were down, yeah. So and now, then the, this was the your... trial was hilarious. Oh, yeah? They do things different there. And still in Russia and Ukraine, they have a very similar system, although Ukraine is modernizing their justice system quite nicely. But back then in the Soviet thing, um, you had a three-judge panel. One was called the judge. The other two are called jurists, but it's three-judge panel. There's no jury, so to speak. And uh, the defendants are behind this little barred box type thing. And so for the first day, the prosecution was declaring all day long, we don't have crime in the Soviet Union. But if we do, (laughs) these guys are guilty. (laughs) We don't even have prisons in the Soviet Union. (laughs) But if we do, these guys are going to go there. And so then the defense had their turn and they were the same thing. There is no crime in the Soviet Union. But maybe my guys might have done something. (laughs) There are no prisons in the Soviet Union. But if they did something, we'll find a place to put them. And, of course, the second day, they they go through this long reading of the entire charges, which is boring as all get out. I mean, it takes an hour or so. Mm. And then the the judge makes his declaration, and the defendant has to stand uh, through all this. The judge, of course, you know, we don't normally have crime in the Soviet Union, but today we found some. We don't have prisons, but you guys are going there. <laughs> now, was that, was that in English or were you having to interpret or did you understand? No, we, we had earpieces. I see. I see. Yeah. That, that was being int- interpreted, interpreted as you're going. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you very, very much for joining me here on Larry's Sort of Fun Stories because... What can we do for you to get your wife out of um, wherever she's at? A lot of prayers appreciated. Um, almost every night, she's serenaded to air raid sirens and sounds of explosions. Just a few days ago, uh, on her block, uh, her, she's with her parents right now. And this is out in the country. There's nothing military out there. Um, something like nine, or I think it was nine homes blowing up. Two or three people killed, lots of animals killed. Uh, the Russians are just trying to grind everything into a fine dust. They're, they're really ticked off that Ukraine didn't just capitulate and say, yeah, we'll return to Mother Russia, which is funny because there is no such thing as return. Ukraine was uh, 800 years old before uh, Russia was ever a gleam in anybody's eye. That's one of the things I've liked about reading what you're writing about. You're giving us some history into the area. And I appreciate that. You're welcome. But yeah, prayer is appreciated. I, I don't give out her name because, again, if, if Russian soldiers do come into her neighborhood, which they have a couple of times and then left, if there's anything recognizable, and they do watch media and listen to different things and so forth, well, how do do you're on a Facebook page, right? Would you like people to join you on your Facebook page? Sure. Um, I think it's under Jim Hanemeyer, I think. And you spell that H A N E M A A Y E R. Exactly. 
your name's on the screen. That's why I got it right. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts since yesterday, and uh, I, I think you do a bang-up job. Oh, Very well, professional. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's my fun story. I started that because I went to a writer's group here in my complex, and uh-huh. the stuff I was writing, or if you heard a couple of the, my stories, I didn't know what, the, you know, someone said, you could publish those in the newspaper. And, you know, I don't. I don't read a newspaper anymore, anyway. Right. So I, Who does? I finally figured out, hey, I can do this on uh, on a podcast. Thank you, Jim, for being with me here on Larry's sort of fun stories, and keep Jim and his family in your prayers. I would appreciate it. Well, that wraps up this week's story. You see, that's all part of my life. Maybe you've had some circumstances similar to mine perhaps worked with someone 43 years ago and you're just connecting with them. Maybe not, but I hope you've been encouraged and even learned something here on Larry's Sort of Fun Stories. So I would love to hear from you. The best way to do that is on my website at larrysortoffunstories.com. You can drop me a line and share a story and you might end up right here on Larry's Sort of Fun Stories as well. And remember, if you're interested in travel, Z. Michelson Travel can help you with your travel dreams. Because Z. Michelson Travel says she makes your travel dreams come true. I hope you'll join me again next week and find out what has happened in my life. And again, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Larry, always looking for a sort of fun story to share with you.